Rugby League lovers, thanks for joining us once again for the official NRL podcast. Zach Bailey joining uh, Chris Kennedy and Alicia Newton, my fellow NRL.com reporters, for a quick chat about everything uh, Rugby League. And guys, the exciting news is in a couple of weeks' time, two weeks' time, uh, our fans out there listening to this podcast will be preparing for the first game of Rugby League back. So I'll have a cold one in their hand or in the fridge. I'll have the meat pies in the oven ready to go. Uh, Chris Kennedy, no doubt you're looking forward to that moment. I'm so I'm so ready for it. It doesn't even feel real yet, to be honest. It feels like so long since the... It's only... We're just saying off air, it's been like eight weeks, you know, I think March... 19 thereabouts the um the, the hiatus started it feels like years ago um and to actually have footy on our doorstep hopefully these two weeks goes quick and, and without a hitch we've got some footy to talk about soon because i'm stinging for some games alicia yeah i just come off two weeks myself so that went real quick so i reckon this is just going to fly by i mean to think in another week's time teams will pretty much be preparing for their round three opponents, which obviously we'll get to a little bit later. We don't know who who's playing who yet, but yeah, I mean, it, it, in a way, it has gone quick for some, but not so quick for others. Um, I think, I think in in the end, like to just be able to sit back and, and reflect on the fact that the game has been able to get where it's going or where where it will go um, compared to other sports that, around the world, like it. it it's going to be something to look back on, I think, and we're really going to appreciate it down the track. Yeah, definitely. It's been a, a bold move described by some people, some critics, but, uh, you know, if uh, the NRL does get back on May 28, as is planned, then uh, everyone will be looking and going, I think, from the outside saying, you know, well done to Peter Volandes and everybody else who's pushed for it. Uh, the big news in the last um, 24 hours or a couple of days uh, is the reduction from two referees to one referee. Uh, the last time we saw one referee, apart from international footy in the NRL, was back in uh, 2008. Uh, Chris Kennedy, um, how do you feel about this massive change? I, I have concerns. Um, let's, shall we say, uh, so let me put it this way. I spoke, I was lucky enough to sit down and interview Matt Chechen for about 40 minutes one-on-one um, when he left the game a couple of years ago. Obviously, um, we, we're delighted that he, he came back, but um, he was sort of driven out of the game. Remember, there was an issue with sort of getting death threats and, and that sort of thing. He was um, trying to move overseas with his partner. But I sat down and talked to, to Chechen about a, a whole raft of things. And one of the things we spoke about was the two refs. And um, obviously, we, we've got one ref still in internationals, and we used to have one ref. And he said the way the NRL is just different to all other footy, the, the standard that it's played at, the, the amount that teams try and get away with, the wrestle and the, the infringements in the ruck and all the things they have to police, he said it's just not doable anymore with one referee. He said you, you need two refs just to cope with everything that, that refs are asked to do. So how they're going to work it, I assume they're going to have the bunker in their ear a lot. Um, they're going to have guys as touchies who've been lead refs who are going to try and look out for things in the ruck. Um, I'm a bit concerned about that as well because touchy is sort of a specialist role and we've got touch judges with hundreds of games of experience who are potentially going to be sidelined for, you know, guys who are usually lead refs um, trying to do their job. So I'm 
I'm concerned about how it's all going to play out. I'm a bit concerned that it's happening sort of after the season's already got underway. Um, I don't want to come out and say it's going to be a disaster because A, I'm really excited for footy to be back in, in whatever form it takes and B, you know, the proof of the pudding obviously is in the eating. We don't know what it's going to look like yet. Maybe it will be a success. So I really would love to be wrong. I'd love for the, the rest of the season to run smoothly and, and not be talking about refs in a couple of weeks. But yeah, I have concerns. Alicia, what are your thoughts? Yeah, like CK, like I think there are a few concerns out there, but then I've also listened to a few players today and, and, and just around the traps about the fact that just for little things, you know, obviously yeah, the, the pocket ref was was literally behind the hooker and I know a couple of hookers have come out and said that they uh, they kind of would always see them in their in their revision and, and not think that they're a player or, or, or vice versa. So little things like that I guess I guess help. But then as pointed out today by Knights coach Adam O'Brien, the last thing we want is on a Monday to just have a, a pure focus on one referee because he's missed the plethora of things. Uh, because as as CK pointed out, um, you know, the game has that many rules in place and so many things for one ref to look at that they're bound to miss something down the track. And, and as we know in rugby league, that um, the minute that they do miss those big things, it, it's the end of the world. So... Um, yeah, it's it's going to be obviously it, it was around for a hundred years, so we know that it, it can work. But um, I have a feeling that there, that there might be some more changes to come to help accommodate that. There's a lot of grey areas, I suppose, that still need to be answered. I think before then, and the first couple of weeks of the season, I think is going to be the big thing. And but then again, I also think you know we're in this crazy year as it is. So if there's ever a time to do it, then this is it. I think. Yeah, and and just on your on the point of like refs being under scrutiny, they they are always under scrutiny, and it seems like it, they're under more scrutiny in the NRL than than any other sport. But I think we all play a role uh, going forward. That if it is one ref, we have to have more sympathy and be more empathetic towards them. You know, like for example, in the NRL nines, I know you know the Panthers uh, got dudded um, by a, a really bad call, but you know, and it was a nine, but you move on given they weren't, the technology wasn't there for the refs to go to the bunker and award a try or, or no try. Um, so if we know that the refs are under, you know, we don't have a second ref there, I, just, I guess we just have to live with the fact that they will miss things. The positive, real positive out of it, and there's an article on NRL.com uh, right now, we're going to get two minutes, or they've worked out the NRL, that we're going to get two minutes more per game uh, in terms of uh, the footy in action. So they, that's got to be a positive, um, Chris. And I guess the NRL has said that they want the, or they think that this rule will speed up the game. So we all like fast footy. Hopefully we do see the likes of, you know, Benji Marshall, Sean Johnson, Caelan Ponga, Dylan Brown, all these guys on the back of fast rucks. And the teams that will be penalised, or they won't be penalised, that will, um, you know, the, the new six again rule, um, That'll be a big test for teams if there's repeat sets all the way through. And hopefully we don't see players lying in the ruck as they have been over the last couple of years. Yeah, that seems to be one of the measures that's brought in to make up for the fact that we're losing the the pocket ref is that the lead ref um, can just run with a, a six again for a ruck infringement rather than stopping for a penalty, um, which we, we've spoken, it's certainly been a, a topic of conversation for a while about how, you know, the, the defending team slows down the ruck and then they get penalised and they use the 
penalty time to get their defensive line sorted. And if anything, it actually works against the team that's on the attack. So this quickly rolling six again um, means you don't have that time to get your defensive line reset. And the argument is that it's more of a penalty um, for infringing than an actual penalty would be. Um, I've heard a few people concerned that what if, you know, you're down by... Um, you're up by one point defending your line with 30 seconds to go. Do you just keep infringing and slowing down because the ref's going to keep waving six again and, and they're not going to get a chance to take the shot at two? It sounds like it's going to be discretionary. I haven't seen a specific wording for the rule, but it sounds like the ref could potentially still blow the penalty um, if they thought the team was you know, doing the wrong thing for that reason. But then that brings more refereeing interpretation into it. So say one week, you know, one referee awards the penalty and the next week a different referee rule six again there's going to be the same you know the usual consistency crowd saying where's the consistency but if you don't have a black and white rule you know i, mm. I don't think consistency is something you can have it at the best of times in a, a game with so many gray areas but i mean the potential is there to speed the game up if you take these every time you, you ping one of these penalties in the ruck you got to stop either take you know, get reset for the tap or take the kick for touch or take the kick for goal so it could be you know more than two minutes extra of, of play per game from not having these penalty stoppages but I think you, you're probably still going to see a slower play the ball we saw it in the World Cup to play the ball slowed right down under one ref with all the you know particularly the the NRL heavy teams like Australia New Zealand Tonga and and England taking the you know, the, the NRL approach to, to one ref and, and slowing the ruck down. But, yeah, potentially some more ball in play time. Yeah, well, And well, also, the... too, like, I just think coming out of your own end, you know, that the relief, even as a fan watching the game, you know, your team gets a penalty because they're on tackle four and they're only 15 metres out. And then to then turn around and say, oh, it's not a penalty, you can't kick for touch, you've actually just got six again. Like, that's just more effort for the, for the guys to come out of, their end right like there's no relief there for them which is what I think that they deserve um if they get a penalty so um yeah it, it, the six again one completely threw me by surprise um the one ref I can cop but yeah the six again one I think there's going to be plenty of questions asked about it and um yeah I mean how, how can you deny a team a chance to level up with three minutes to go in a grand final you know how does a ref distinguish what was deliberate and what wasn't. I just, I can just see it um, plenty coming out of it. It's going to be interesting the first Come couple on, of weeks. Come on, I want to be positive. Like it's going to set up, it's, it's going to set up for team. Damien Cook back in, you know, even more so yeah, in the yeah. game around the ruck. There are positive. Okay, okay. Right? Positivity, it's going to free up the game. Fatigue is going to come into it, which obviously we've already seen, you know, people wanting reduced interchange for that reason. It's going to open up a whole area of fatigue and for more line breaks etc but um yeah I, i'm thinking of those crunch moments you know the big moments where we'll cross that bridge when we get to it okay <laughs> of course it's gonna i mean it's all part of the theater right that's that's what it is yeah a couple of um interesting points today uh, most people uh, or most of the reaction i got today was that whether we like it or not uh, it's coming in and every team has to deal with it in the same scenario so um, that's just the way it is. Uh, a funny story uh, with, with, in my chat with Don Ferner today, uh, when I just said the irony of this six again rule, uh, given the dramas of last year's grand final, in, and in a situation of that, the pocket ref overruled the grand final, overruled the lead ref, so that would have been six again and play on. But anyway, uh, he said that he was in the same rule uh, room as Trent Robinson, Roosters coach, 
in an Apollo, Project Apollo meeting when this was thrown up. And he said they basically looked at each other and just had a laugh about it, which uh, was was quite good insight given, you know, everything that's been going on uh, around the game and, and this rule. Um, the draw, uh, we don't know what it's going to look like between now and October 25 grand final day. Uh, we know there will be footy all the way through then. Uh, we're hearing that uh, the next two rounds are set to be announced uh, tomorrow afternoon. Uh, so Friday afternoon. So Chris, I'll start with you. What's the one ideal game if uh, you were responsible for the draw that you'd resume the 2020 season with? Um, I'm scared I'm going to be a little bit predictable here, but um, the obvious one for me is the Roosters and the Rabbitohs. Um, it was originally slated, I believe, for Friday night in round three anyway. Uh, obviously, had all the, you know, the Trell Mitchell's gone from, from Roosters to South over the off-season, so he'd be up against his former club, you know, the, the two old... Um, you know, old rivals, the, the foundation clubs um, had so many ding-dong battles over the, the last or over the last hundred years, but over the last decade in particular. Um, there'd be so many eyeballs on it. I think it'd be a fantastic way to get back underway. Alicia, uh, do you agree or do you have another game you'd love to see? Well, I had an idea that CK was going to pick that game. So I was going with the grand final rematch. I think it was maybe possibly this month anyway, but it's supposed to be over in Perth, but it deserves to be um, at least in Sydney. I think put them on six again rule. Can you see it? First round back, six again rule gets a test. Yeah, you know, could, I, could be. Uh, I was thinking. Like I was thinking exactly the same way. Uh, but either or, geez, they would be two absolute crackers to to restart the season with. Uh, hopefully, we see one of them. Uh, the Roosters involved in one of them. Um, there's been plenty of talk also over the last couple of weeks, at least the last seven days, at least about uh, vaccinations or anti-vaccinations. So the latest is uh, the Queensland government won't allow any player that hasn't had a vaccination uh, to play an NRL match in Queensland. So Brian Kelly from the Titans has had uh, his flu vaccination. That leaves uh, Bryce Cartwright as the only player at a Queensland-based club who hasn't got it. Uh, the three Raiders players uh, still haven't got it. They'll cross that bridge uh, when they come to it. That's out of uh, Don Ferner's mouth. He actually anticipates the Raiders will play the next, well, the first four weeks of footy at least in Sydney and maybe even longer than that. So he hopes that they don't have to cross that bridge yet and that hopefully uh, that rule from the government, the Queensland government, is uh, lessened or no longer there when they finally have to play uh, in uh, Queensland. But what about this uh, for an analogy from uh, Broncos coach Anthony Seabold uh, today? He said, uh, you don't like paying $10 for a schooner at the pub, but if you want company, you've got to pay 10 bucks. Otherwise, pay $2.50 for your hand super drives at home. If you want to play footy, get the jab. If you don't, stay at home. <laughs> Do you like it? It's just, I don't know how it's he came brilliant. up with that, but yeah, I agree. <laughs> He's he might need to stop drinking at, uh, at Darling Harbour if he's paying $10 a schooner, but it seems a little bit steep. But I do take his point, and uh, good, good point and well made. Well, he copped a lot of sla uh, flack on um, Twitter because everyone said, 10 bucks for a Han Super Dry, where are you drinking? They, they all think, the punters think he's actually drinking a nice craft beer somewhere, but he's just gone with a Han Super Dry because it's uh, brewed by uh, one of the uh, sponsors of the Broncos. Well, maybe he's saying he drinks, he buys the, the case of Super Dry to keep in the fridge and when he goes out for a, a night out, he, he pays $10 for a pint of a nice pale ale or something. 
perhaps, perhaps. Uh, anyway, hopefully the pubs will be back open uh, soon. Um, and of course, uh, the big, uh, or hopefully there's some big signing news uh, when we return because we know that can be uh, pretty chaotic throughout the year. Uh, the big news uh, last week, I believe, uh, Jordan Rappina finally um, confirmed uh, with the uh, Raiders, but uh, they say he's very unlikely to be there uh, going beyond this year due to salary cap restrictions. Uh, so it could be a one-year um, wonder again for Rappina. Uh, Nick Kotrick, uh, he remains their number one target and they're hopefully going to get that deal done in the next couple of weeks after the club was no longer uh, able to uh, register a new contract or you know do any of that stuff over this COVID period. Uh, Chemist Warehouse Casualty Board. Alicia, any updates? Uh, who we got? We got Michael Morgan underwent surgery, I believe it was around April 1st. Um, Paul Green's come out recently and said that that, um, that Morgan won't be available for May 28th. So which is obviously a big blow for them. They have got Jake Clifford um, as backup there. So you'd assume that he would slot straight in at least for the first couple of rounds. Um, I think Paul Green's up for media tomorrow on Friday. So it should be good to get some, some more clarity around his return. Um, Kieran Foran spoke to the media as well uh, recently and uh, he's pretty much good to go if you can get through contact over the next couple of weeks. So... Fingers crossed for him. I'm sure there's uh, a lot of cautious, uh, well, cautious people with him. Um, I guess he's really keen, but it's one thing to be keen, but it's another thing to be actually mentally ready to go. So it'd be great to see him back. Obviously, um, had a rough road, and if anything, he's probably been one of the, the few people who've benefited from this from this entire pandemic break. Yeah, he said that his, his body's in the best physical shape it's been in three to four years, um, given the amount of work he's done. I saw a photo on social media last week, and he looks like he's been living on the pec deck for the last three or four months. <laughs> he, looks, he looks massive in his upper body, which is a credit to him, given the injury he's coming off. He looked very fit in that photo. I saw the one you're talking about. <laughs> uh, so John Bateman, he looks like, uh, unlikely still to start the year. Um, he, he's hopeful, but again, again, not going to take any risks. Uh, Ball reports from the Sharks, Matt Moylan, uh, his hammies are good and he's looking uh, like the Moylan of old. Of course, I think it was when he joined the Sharks, um, a lot of people tipped him as, you know, to be a Dally M winner. We haven't really seen the best of him in a Sharks jersey. We all want to. Uh, Chad Townsend uh, broke his thumb uh, training earlier this week, uh, but hopefully he'll be right to go. Uh, for, uh, what is it, May 28, round three. Uh, simply the best. Uh, this was very interesting this week uh, with the fans um, voting for the best lock and uh, the uh, Cowboys beast Jason Talmalolo beat Bradley Clyde. Now, on the online poll with NRL.com, he polled 38% of the votes, Clyde 28%, so that's 10% win. But what about Sam Burgess? Only got 9% of the votes. That shocked me because I thought he would definitely be in the top two, just given, nothing against Clyde, but just given that uh, Burgess only retired at the end of last year. Yeah, it's a, a weird one. We've seen a lot in these polls, or, or my opinion is that we've seen a lot of recency bias um, with, with players sort of, you know, Thurston edging out Johns, I think um, recency bias was it not, you know, Thurston's obviously a brilliant player and probably a future immortal, but for me, Joey's the, you know, the number one halfback and a bit the same here. I think Bradley Clyde, the player that he was at the time that he was from almost 18 or 19 years of age, I think he was the best player in a grand 
final at 19, just the all-round package, the, the prototype of the modern day, um, you know, ball playing forward. He could just do it all. Um, Tamalolo is absolute beast, a freak of nature, the likes of which we've arguably never seen before, but a little bit, um, I wouldn't say he's got a lot of strings to his bow. He's kind of got what he does and he does it better than anyone we've ever seen, but um, doesn't quite have the all-round game, I don't think, of, of Clyde. But yeah, I agree with you on Sam Burgess. The only thing I can think is there's been a little bit of a sort of anti-Burgess sentiment from, you know, back in sort of 2013, 14, everyone loved him and then sort of went to rugby and came back and racked up a few more judiciary charges and the certainly the non-South fans um, went off him a, a little bit. So I don't know if that sort of counted against him, but um, yeah, Burgess, particularly in that, that pre-rugby stint those few years, but definitely like for me over pretty much his whole career as a, a damaging middle forward who could, you know, offload and, and throw a nice little short pass and, and just physically intimidate opponents. So I'm, uh, I'm surprised you can get more votes than that because he's a tremendous player. Yes, yeah, okay, I agree with you too in, in regards to that. I'd like to see the average age of, of our our pollers and see see where they rank there. Even you look at the the class of the of the nominees and, and you know, Glenn Short was obviously that ball playing lock. Um, Gallon only at six percent, you'd think he'd be a little bit higher. He might be in the same sort of situation as Burgess, you either love him or hate him. Um, even Ben Kennedy, you know, he uh Great player, can offload Corey Parker, same. So, I mean, again, Tamalolo's in our face. We can see him, so perhaps it, it came to that. Um, I can't say I saw much of Brad Clyde, so just purely because I, I wouldn't, wouldn't vote for him because I haven't seen him sort of thing. Okay. All right, we're going to move on to uh, the second row of uh, candidates. Uh, this poll will be out online at uh, midday on Friday. So, depending on whether you're listening to this on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it might already be out. Uh, on NRL.com are the candidates, Boyd Cordner, Craig Fitzgibbon, uh, Nathan Hindmarsh, Luke Lewis, Steve Menzies, Adrian Morley, Paul Sirenen, Gordon Tallis, Ruben Wickey, Sonny Bill Williams. You look at some of the omissions, Dave Ferner, Brad Thorne, uh, Matt Gillett, Gavin Cooper, John Sutton, uh, Adam Muir, Simon Mannering, Tony Pulitua, Alex Glenn, Gary, what was I say? Gary Larson. Uh, <laughs> You look at the, the emissions alone, look at the talent there, but just like the lock position, uh, Chris, uh, we've got to um, narrow it down. So who are your two back rowers uh, of the last 30 years in the simply the best category? This is so hard. There's so many good players on this list. I was looking at it and I kind of, just to narrow it down, I decided to rule out anyone who spent a huge proportion of their career playing different positions. So I, I sort of scratched Luke Lewis because he was a winger and then he was a centre and then he was a 5 um, you know, before he was a, a really good second rower and a bit like um, Morley and, and Ruben Wickey spent a lot of time in the, the front row. So I, I went for two classic edge back rowers. Um, and anyone on the like, I would have gone for Sonny Bill if he'd spent his whole career in the NRL, but he spent so long in, in rugby, I, I couldn't quite squeeze him in there just based on the amount of time he played. So I've gone for Stephen the Beaver Menzies, um, just ticking every single box. Um, the, the lines that you would run on that edge over such a long period of time, not just for Manly, but for New South Wales and Australia, the, the tries that he scored, the consistencies, you know, his effect on his teammates, um, absolute brilliant player. I couldn't leave him out. And um, the, the second spot came down 
a coin flip for me between Nathan Hindmarsh and Gordon Tallis, two out and out edge forwards in, in different ways. Nathan Hindmarsh, the you know, the perpetual motion machine, Gordon Tallis, the, the raging bull, the ball of anger and fury. Um, I ended up I'm an Eels fan, so I had to give it to Hindy, but um could have easily gone for either of those guys for the other spot. At least you got a big grin on your face, not that how uh, our listeners can see how why? Why, why this I was I wasn't surprised by the Hindy call from CK. Put it that way. <laughs> but, uh, he he would have he would have been him. He's probably my top five. Uh, but yeah, that's a tough list. Um, look, I would have said Sunny too, based on if he did stay in league. And you know, we I feel like we only just touched the surface with him when he was here. But I I grew up just watching Origin, obviously, and Craig Fitzgibbon just always strikes me like what sort of forward like can kick goals so good as he did as well like he could just do it all so I probably have him um up there not necessarily saying he will be in the polls but I'd have him as one and uh can't go past Gordon Gordon Tallis as well for the other as CK said the the raging bull and again referring back to origin I just remember he was just the one that you needed to take down if you're any chance of winning so uh yeah probably locking those two Steve Menzies is a pretty tough tough uh, omission there for me too yeah, so we all agree on Gordon Tallis. Uh, I'm a little bit torn on the other one. I was going to say Sonny Bill Williams. I still think he made a hell of an impact, but it's more down the line of uh, if I was picking a team, uh, Sonny Bill Williams would be in there. So um, whether he's been one of the best, we'll soon find out. Um, again, as you said, like the fans could go either way. They might remember his brilliance or they might remember him walking out on the Bulldogs. Who knows? Uh, for those that uh, don't know, uh, we're going to go through all nine positions and the best coach the last 30 years as part of our Simply uh, the Best uh, polling. Um, so make sure you get on board each week. Uh, this weekend, you'll see our expert view uh, from all our uh, experts or so-called experts at NRL.com. Uh, which player will have a breakout season in 2020 after the season resumes? Uh, Chris Kennedy, you've already done the hard work. Who have you gone with? Yeah, there were. I was looking through some team lists and some squads. There are actually quite a few uh, guys on the cusp who I think could have a big season, but I couldn't go past Eliezer Katoa from the Warriors. Um, have to be honest, I'd barely heard of him uh, um, when he was named um, in the 17 for round one and um, played off the bench in round one, started in round two, and uh, I think he's still only 20 years of age, an absolute prospect, um, grew up in Tonga, um, big, mobile, skillful back rower. I think he's going to be a mainstay of the Warriors pack for years to come, and um, if he keeps his starting spot, he's going to be, um, could be this year's, you know, Britain Nakora type player who sort of came from the clouds in, in round one and then plays a whole season and ends up uh, in rep teams by the end of the year. Okay, well, Alicia and I both haven't done ours, uh, so we'll keep our powder dry. Well, I, had, I, had a quick, I had a quick five-second thought about it. And, oh, and that's just, good. Yeah, <laughs> just just crossed my mind, put put my Knights bias cap on. But I think, speaking to Bradman Best uh, a couple of weeks ago, he's only what, 18, 19, but if he can get into that centre spot at the Knights, he can, um, I think he can really make a fist of it for the rest of the year. If not, you also got Shibasaki there, who's been doing a good job, who I think copped a little bit of uh, fire when he was at the Broncos. I think he was a little bit of a scapegoat. So he started the season really, really good. And, I mean, if he continues on his way, plays outside Ponga, um, you know, he, he could be a breakout, breakout player by season's end. So probably those two guys, something like that. 
a bit like you, Alicia, I haven't given this much thought and this could be completely <laughs> different to the player that is actually published on our website. Uh, but one player that I really like the look of and he's just so athletic in the opening two rounds, uh, Stephen Crichton from the Panthers. I don't know where they, I don't know where they put him, but his X factor first touch against the Roosters uh, scored an amazing try. Uh, mate had an impact against the Dragons as well. Ivan Cleary's got a headache, but uh, he'll definitely have a breakout year in my eyes. Um, but again, uh, where they play, I'm not sure. And whether that is actually who I end up with, um, I don't know either. <laughs> uh, have you guys got a highlight of the week? And if you don't, okay, I'll kick things off. Uh, some vision that surfaced across social media today um, of former uh, NRL player. He was over in the Super League. He got injured uh, tragically earlier this year. Mossy Masoi, um, up walking again. Um, it's such a heartwarming uh, video to see given you know there was talk that he may never walk again and he and he's walking with his daughter um and she's she's wheeling the walking frame out in front of him it just shows that this guy uh, cannot be stopped and it was one of those things given so much sadness in the world right now and so much negativity around i just thought you know here's a guy that's up against more odds um than all of us and he's getting on with things and he's absolutely nailing it so uh, it's great to see um so if you guys can better that, uh, I'll let you have the floor, if not. <laughs> no, I was like, you, you can beat that. I just, I enjoyed just watching the players come back to training. I know it's only a small thing, but it's still a win. And I think you take any little win we can get right now. So it's all kind of building up to that May 28 date. So it was good to see <clears throat> them all back and, uh, and, you know, getting into a bit of contact. Yeah, I, I enjoyed... Um... Matt Rogers coming out in very strongly on the um, the vaccination stuff as a father of a son who does have autism, which was wrongly linked a long time ago now um, to, to vaccines, to, to sort of speak his part um, very eloquently, I thought, and very intelligently on all the, the vaccine stuff and just made a lot of sense about, you know, putting the, the team first and that sort of thing. I, um, I thought it was great form from, uh, from Matt Rogers. Yeah, well said. I think they're all uh, great highlights uh, of the week. Uh, plug time, uh, CK, you had a, a great chat uh, with Josh Kerr uh, this week. I did. The um, the Dragons and Indigenous All-Stars front rower, it's um, got got put on the phone with him for a bit of a chat and ended up 20-something minutes later saying, um, mate, I'm going to have to let you go. And he, I think he was happy to keep chatting. He's a fantastic fellow. I think it's probably the most times I've, I've laughed out loud during a, a player interview that I can remember. He's um, funny bloke, great sense of humour. He was regaling me with his tales of coming through up in Brisbane as a, as a kid, um, as a, a young centre or winger that was two feet taller than everyone else and not having to try very hard because he was so massive. And then um, getting scouted to go down to the Storm 20 system and told he was a forward and having to put in the hard yards and apparently is quite the shock to the system and um, was the making of him as a, um, a front rower who's um, now had a, an all-stars call up and a very strong pre-season for the Dragons. So that one will be up on NRL.com pretty soon. I'd encourage all Dragons fans and all NRL fans in general to check that one out. Alicia, can you better that? Can you top it? Uh, I don't know if I can better it, but I had a really good chat today with uh, with Jason Hedinson, former Maroon. Um, I'm really enjoying these legend Q&As that we've been doing on NRL.com every week. So gave him a call and asked him 10 questions about his career and some of his responses were uh, were great, you know, about getting picked for Australia and, and just how he was told. And, um, you know, they stirred him up and said that he didn't, didn't have a spot on the plane though he didn't have a seat so he would have had to 
stood the whole time and he just agreed to it because he didn't think anything different. He was just, he said, you could have tied me down to the wing if, if, if it came to it. So just little things like that. And obviously, you know, being a young rider to ring up the old fellas and get stories out of them, it's really cool, especially when you haven't watched them growing up yourself. So yeah, that that's coming out hopefully this weekend and it's a pretty good read. They're pretty easy to do and you get a lot out of the old fellas. Yeah, he was definitely uh, a character in the game. Uh, and uh, I think, is he still coaching? He's coach of the Queensland women's team. So okay. fingers crossed there's an Oregon game yes. installed for them. Yes, let's hope at the end of the year. Watch uh, this space. Okay, you'll have no doubt news on that for us next week, Alicia. We're hoping, yes. We're okay, hoping. Uh, plenty on the uh, NRL.com uh, TV uh, guide as well. Uh, plenty of old classic matches. On Friday night, we've got uh, the classic match, uh, Lockyer's last game, 2011 uh, semi-final between the Broncos and Dragons. I remember that. It, it was a classic. On Saturday, we've got a Bundaberg Rum classic match with the Roosters and Knights from their prelim final in the year 2000. And the grand final classic match for Telstra this weekend, the 2004 grand final between the Roosters and the Bulldogs. Can't wait for them. Um, Running out of time here. We've got to let our league lovers go back to digest all the big uh, news and stories uh, from around the grounds. Uh, Chris Kennedy, Alicia Newton, thanks for joining me for a chat once again. And to all our fans out there, thank you for joining us on the official NRL podcast. Enjoy your week. Stay safe. Uh, This time next week, it'll only be one week until footy's back. Can't wait. And we'll speak to you then. (laughs) 